Hello everyone and welcome to episode 18 of the Academic Vortex podcast. I'm your host Aditya and today I have with me Chris and as well as we have a guest for you guys here. Uh he's uh one of our members of FPL Academica. It's none other than Ray Guna. So how are you mate? Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's really nice to finally pod with you guys. Been writing with you for yeah, this season. So yeah, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Chris How have you been, mate? And uh, how was your free hit? I've actually never been better, uh, especially FPL-wise. Uh, my FPL got 75 points, and it could be more. But I'm gonna just, you know, I'm not gonna go into that because uh, I'm really happy with my rank right now. I'm at 260k, and I used to be down in the millions for most of the season. So now I think um, 100k is is really possible, and why not even higher? Because uh, I want to aim high, you know, uh, to finish off the season strongly. But yeah, it's it's feeling good going into the break with a on a positive note, and I'm yeah I'm keen to keep uh, going up. Yeah. So since you spoke on free hit, uh, even I'll address. I used my free hit, and uh, I did score about eighty one points. And I think Chris was kind of disappointed scoring seventy five or seventy six odd points. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think this is my cue to leave. I didn't get anywhere near you two. <laughs> no, you know the issue for me was that I I started two Arsenal players and I had one on the bench. And do you want to guess who was on the bench and who I started? Uh, that, I'm, ge- uh, I'm guessing Lacazette was on the bench and you started yeah, Aubameyang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aubameyang and Odegaard ahead of oh, Lacazette. No. That was really you know that was the the only thing that I think. It, it just bothered me a bit, and I chose Maja, who was a over Bamford, who which wasn't the best of decisions. But apart from that, I think I made the right choices. And I also yeah. had Regulon, who was injured, and that yeah, that, that injury always makes you know you know makes you mad. But yeah, I'm that's happy. unlucky. Really good score though. What do you know? My, what the game my rank was halved. Uh, I was at 460k. Very nice. Well played. So yeah, uh, I think uh, I'm on a good. Uh, Good path. Yeah, you're definitely on the the right path towards the rank. Yeah, you're aiming to be at this point. But yeah, definitely, even I was around like two fifty, two sixty k, and the free hit chip basically returned the way exactly as I wanted it to be. I think I went around to around one twenty k. Not bad. There's still about what nine, ten weeks to go, and there's still time, you know, to make the ground. And uh, yeah, so Brighton defense was a big dub. For most of the managers, and uh, Rafinha, FPL favorite Trossard for one week managed to return a lot of points. Jesse Lingard is continuing his overperforming sequence at this point. He managed to return. Aubameyang disappeared. Watkins and Villa are struggling. Bale yeah. never turned up. And uh, this blank game week was, I think, kind of. Uh, I don't know how people managed to predict the the four games because. Most of them put their chips entirely in the Brighton Newcastle game, and they were thoroughly rewarded. And few players went under the radar for us. I think there was Welbeck, Mopé. We didn't discuss it in the last episode, but they managed to return few good points. West Ham Arsenal turned out to be a three-all game. Initially, it was looking like West Ham were going to dominate and win the game, but Arsenal somehow managed to you know get three goals. And... Yeah, I'm still recovering from that. This club will be the death of me. 
<laughs> yeah, oh my god! Really good game for a neutral. Jesus. Yeah, I I I am friends with a West Ham fan, and he was he he was gloating at three 0 I was like, I I really wanted Arsenal to wake up and do something, and it was so funny because he he was like, okay, we get we're gonna battle this, and they did, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> to be fair, and yeah, I think West Ham, you know. They just couldn't, you know, hold on to it because they're still not a big club, and I think they 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 just lack that mentality and that uh, I don't know, yeah, that I, extra quality. I'm not sure what it, what it what it is, but yeah, I couldn't believe what I was seeing because I think when we started, like we were hungover. I don't know what happened that first half an hour, but we were just sitting off West Ham so much, gave them so much time and space on the ball, and yeah, they sort of deservedly went three 0 up, and then. They just kind of panicked a bit, didn't they? And then they just sat really deep. Odegaard, he is, oh, he's brilliant. I, I think he's too good for us, to be honest. I, d- I don't think he'll be with us next season, but he's a brilliant little player. And yeah, he just sort of started the comeback for us by creating all of the chances, really. Yeah, he was brilliant. You know, two-pointer, what a player. Oh, no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I saw some highlights and he, he looked pretty good. And I'm, I was really, you know, excited to own him because uh, I think he, he can really do well in that cam role, that uh, 10 role. So I think uh, he's one to watch. Yeah, because yeah, a few of my friends are asking me about him and I think... I still prefer Saka. Um, I think Saka's 0.7 million cheaper. And I think Saka actually had a chance, which I don't know if I'm being harsh. I think he should have scored. But Odegaard, I, I just love watching him as a football player. But I think he's going to sort of assist the assister more often than not. I think he controls the game beautifully. But for FPL at, at the price and in Arsenal's midfield, I think Saka's still the one to go to for me personally. I don't know what you guys think, though. Uh, Vitya, what yeah, do you think? Just, yeah, to be honest, Odegaard did yeah. look good. And uh, as you rightly said, he's kind of involved in the build-up play. And uh, I think Bukaya Sako is probably the standout pick. If Lacazette can, you know, continue his run of form, definitely an option. But I think in the next few games, it's, it's kind of difficult for Arsenal on paper. Because I think they play, uh, let me check, Liverpool. Yeah, just came with 30. But we know how Liverpool have been playing over the last few weeks. And... They've kind of been yeah. inconsistent, so you never know what is going to turn up. But then the game against Sheffield Fulham is where uh, where there's going to be chunk of points scored if Arsenal kind of attack in a much more consistent manner and they deliver the results. So uh, maybe someone like Odegaard, Saka, and I think uh, Lacazette would be the three best picks because Aubameyang is kind of I feel he's lost and yeah, yeah, I, I completely think. agree. I think when Lacazette plays. He and he plays on the, on the wide. I think he, that that's where he just becomes a non-interesting asset because he he just doesn't work there for me. I, 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 when he was playing the striker, he he was much more involved and he was always in the box. But now I feel like Lacazette is the center of everything instead. So I think uh, I wouldn't touch Aubameyang. Personally. Yeah, I agree. The only the only difficult thing with Arsenal though is that. I'm going to be wildcarding in game week 31. I'm sure a lot of people in the community are, but our fixtures are quite nice. Like you said, we've got Sheffield United, sorry, ignoring the Liverpool one. We've got Sheffield United, then Fulham. Uh, We've got Everton after that, which, okay, it's not great. But then Newcastle, West Brom. The only problem is in between that, we've got the Europa League games. So one thing, 
I get a lot of questions people asking me, oh, who, who's going to get rotated with them? All that's, Arteta's as hard to predict as Pepe's for City. It, there's no real correlation in minutes or anything. It just He seems to pick the players, I guess, based on the profile of their characteristics for the game. So you look at the likes of Callum Chambers uh, playing against West Ham and Burnley. I don't think anyone would have predicted that. So that's the only thing I'd say, just be cautious when picking Arsenal players is... Just keep an eye on that rotation, really. But I agree. I think Tierney, Saka, Lacazette are the three I'd be going for, to be honest. I'd avoid Aubameyang. I want to point out that Saka seems to get, you know, he he got many minutes this season. I think he, I I saw somewhere that he was tired. And I think he will be getting the most rest. Because I think Arsenal rely on him a lot. So, FPL-wise, I wouldn't touch him. Even though he's a great player, I think uh, he will be heavily rotated. So... I'm more inclined to, you know, if you would go for some for someone in the midfield, maybe Odegaard, because he, he hasn't been getting minutes in his previous seasons. And I think now it's the time for him to, you know, get many games in his hands. So Yeah, so yeah. I think we've covered Arsenal pretty well at this point because we never know how things are going to change once we move much closer to game week 30 and 31. So at this moment and at this time, I think Saka, Lacazette, Odegaard and Tierney are the four best picks from Arsenal if you're basically looking to wildcard right away in game week uh, 30, which I think few managers are definitely going to do, uh, use their wildcard in game week 30 after transferring a lot of Brighton and Fulham players. That's what most of them are going to plan at this point. So, uh, the next thing here is we'll just basically discuss how our seasons have been so far because... I don't have a script ready here, to be honest. It's just going to be an open podcast because it's kind of very boring, to be honest, to stick to the points and then to speak stuff. So, I'll start with Chris first. Uh, so, how do you think a season is been so far and uh, how are you going to approach for the next few game weeks now? Yeah, so, I mean, the season in general has been really, you know, it's tough to predict. Planning has gone, you know, in the, in the junk because... Of postponements and you know fixtures being uh, announced here and there, I think uh, it has been a really tough season for many people, and it has lots lots of ups and downs. But I think now things are getting more. Uh, you know, we don't have COVID issues, thank God, anymore, and that's really good for me, uh, in my opinion. And I think now it's time for you know you can't really find an excuse from now on. I think uh, you have to. To clear your head and forget about anything else that has happened, you know, and it depends on on what you wanna achieve. You know, if uh, your goal is to win a million league or I don't know, join the top ten k or even higher, you know, or to climb in rung, I think you have to take the risks. Because I saw a great thread about that riser today, and I think uh, you have to read it. Uh, everyone listening who hasn't read it, I think you have to. And it's really motivating, and from someone who has done, who has done something uh, so many times successfully, I think it's a great tip. Uh, but some people might might think that going full differential is the way. No, it's not. I mean, I think you have to pick your moments, and you know, back yourself and your opinion. Because after all, I think this game, you know, it's a way to show that we understand football. You know, better than others, you know what I mean? I think it's the part of it. So, yeah, that's my advice. I think you have to not hold back and, you know, take a risk or two when you feel like it's going to pay off. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Uh, 
see, I think it was game week 18 was the first blank game week and where there was actually a debate of whether a free hit has to be used or not or whether to save it ahead. Yeah. And I think people started speaking like, ah, let me use it now. I'll wildcard in game week 24, build a team till 29 and then do all those sort of stuff here and there. And uh, me and you basically, we saved our free hit and we just somehow managed to scrape through that particular stretch of with the blanks and doubles and now if we had a chance to get in differentials as in the case Brighton versus Newcastle we did get two at least two Brighton defenders and Trossard was some you know what most of the managers is or triple Brighton defense and the ownership was quite low so it did turn out to be a great pick for us who did use our free hit and get in few differentials and uh, it did work because at this selected time we were fortunate enough that we kept our chips and it turned out to be the right decision at this point but we never know there's again this game week 33 i think when man city and uh, spurs don't play because i think it's the league cup final so again there's some managers yeah. who have still saved <coughs> sorry their free hit i don't know if there are still I, i'm not sure if there are a couple of hand, handful of managers who have still kept their free hit intact and are planning to use it yeah, i think there are yeah yeah because i think with with regards to the double city defense and double spurs attack which is going to be composed in most of the teams, so it kind of gets difficult to, you know, basically move through that period. Uh, how has your season been so far and how are you planning to approach it, Ray? Yeah, it's been a, a bit of a disaster, to be honest, but I'm on the road to recovery. Um, I had the worst start I've ever had. In, this is my 10th season playing. So, uh, just looking at my history, around game week four, I was five and a half million. Game week nine, I brought it down to four. Um, and then, yeah, I've just trickled along, really. Um, I played, yeah, it's interesting what you were just saying about how you navigated the early on, uh, the blanks and the doubles. I played my free hit in game week 18, and it was a very low 48 points. So I don't think you guys missed out that much. And unfortunately, this week, I scored 47 points, and you guys have smashed it with your free hit. So, yeah, fair play on that. But in terms of my season, I think, yeah, like I said, I started off really badly. I'm now sitting at around 350k, so not great, but I'm still aiming towards the top 100k. I think the main lesson for me is I'm very much a fixtures guy. Um, I think yeah, there's it's the classic debate on in the Twitter community, isn't it? Form versus fixtures, but I'm always in the fixtures camp. And I remember I got that wrong at the start of the season. I ignored the likes of Son and Kane. I went aggressive on. City, I can't remember when, but they had a really nice run of fixtures, I think around game week 10, 11. And I went Sterling, KDB, uh, completely ignoring Son and Kane. And yeah, that came back to bite me, really. Um, but yeah, happy with how the ship is steadying slowly. Um, I'm hoping to get by uh, to game week 30, hopefully take a nice little one week punt before I hopefully nail a game week 31 wild, wild card for the running. Yeah. How about yourself? How's yours going? I mean, not too bad is what I would say in short. Season started quite bad, I would say. And as I was discussing with Ray earlier, I think around Game Week 9, as I said, I was like around 1.2 million around there. And I think Game Week 11 is when things started to change. And I think at some point around Game Week 21 is where I reached 54k. And then again, till about Game Week 28, it turned the wrong way and I went back up to like 290k, 300k. And with this free hit, in game week 29, I think I managed to come back to around 120k. So, it's not bad. But uh, the approach, what I would look here is, as Chris said, I think Laterizer did tweet out a thread today earlier. And I think it's pretty good. So, just read it out if I'm not. And this basically discusses how 
and what are the different styles you would like to approach and this you just you just need to play your own game like some managers like to go in all in and they would like to do something different and change the dimension of how they are basically struggling this season and how they want to change their fortunes at that specific point but uh, some managers do like to play in a much more conservative manner and play safe keep up their rank in the sweet spot and then kind of navigate around things and as and when they approach and i think the typical example would be here uh, in the free hit i think chris went with josh majra as the second striker am i right you went with majra and kane right yeah yeah so yeah i was pretty much in the same boat but uh, i went with bamford Yeah. Why? Why option? Yeah. That's a brutal ten-point swing, there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he also got hooked off on the halftime, which was even worse. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. That was it because I, I actually put Madger in the um, you know, the differential article I wrote. I, I just really fancied him against Leeds. I think his stats have been quite good recently. But yeah, Fulham seem to be like they're trying to phase Mitrovic back in the team. So yeah, that's that's an interesting one. One to keep an eye on with Madger. Yeah, so that's how basically yeah. points are basically swung here and there. And, you know, ten points could put you in a different rank, and that's how brutal the game is. And I think the season has kind of been very predictable so far. I would say in terms of picking up the players, because when, for example, against Southampton, Trossard scored a goal, and nearly the entire community went on Trossard, and he did manage to return. So fair play to all of them. I know what you mean. Yeah. This season, it feels like not to sort of point towards the template, but the template has just been so strong. And I think the the template's always strong for a reason, right? They're the most popular picks because they're doing well. But this season, it's just it's just not cracking, is it? And I think, like you said there, Trossard is an example. He he scored against Southampton, then every man and his dog went for him in the free hit, and yeah, we're rewarded. I wish I went for him to be honest. I went Gareth Bale instead. So uh, less said about that, the better. <laughs> And I also think uh, another thing to point is that this year Salah and De Bruyne, at least in my experience, but I'm sure many people have dealt with the same issue. Uh, I've stuck with them, but I, I did st- stick with them for a long time, and I always seem to, you know, uh, hope that they will find some form that wasn't really there due to their past uh, form and their past, uh, you know, the, the ability of Salah to, you know, score braces and get those holes. But I just don't see that happening anymore, and I and I feel like it, it, you can't really be dependent on those players anymore, and that's something that I I think has changed this season a lot because I've captained Salah five times, he has not returned even once against like West Brom, Sheffield, uh, Newcastle, Southampton, you know, and I feel like that was a big turning point in the season, and I think it's not it's just unlucky, you know, it's not as if I, it was a risk or something. So yeah. I think, yeah, I agree I with you on this. A big role in this. Yeah, on Salah, that's KDB. I think I'm, I'm the same as you. I've had him quite a lot this season, and I think we've been quite unlucky <laughs> with. I know there were some debates earlier, weren't there, on um, whether he's a bad finisher and stuff in the community. But I think he was so close to some massive hauls. But Salah, I just I kept him because of historical performances. I think he's been one of my favourite assets to own since he joined the Premier League, and I think I was viewing him as an asset based on that rather than his numbers this season, which I think is a flaw on my part. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. What do you think, Aditya? Yeah, I mean, we did have a similar discussion with Ross, uh, who is also known as FPL Raptor. I think few 
few weeks back in one of the episodes. And the question I think we were discussing was where does actually the, the uh, premium assets lie? Basically, where does the value lie? And who should we basically iron to get in? And uh, I think at, at this point, looking at this season, I think it's the mid-price players or midfielders and the budgets have kind of kind of written in a much more consistent manner and it's kind of pushed out the way teams have been built over the last few seasons compared to what we are doing at this point. Because if you take a look at my midfield here, which I have, I have Rafinha, Salah, Sterling, Fernandes and Son. So that's nearly four premium midfielders. And with Rafinha, who is a mid-priced midfielder, who is managing to return in a much more consistent manner than Mo Salah. That's how it's turning out to be this season. Sterling is a pick. I think I made a big mistake. I should have gone with Gundogan when De Bruyne got injured. And <laughs> I think I made a big mistake here at this point. Nevertheless, I don't know how things are going to change. But I don't know why he's getting benched that often. It's something that only I think Pep can answer. So I mean, Fernandes, Son, Kane. There's just so many... There's like certain premium players who just return very well. Even Son over the last few weeks has been inconsistent. Whereas Kane has managed to deliver. At times, Bale did over the last few weeks. And he got benched last time. Gundogan has been, you know, giving you a good amount of returns. Diego Jota is now back. So, people might think of getting rid of Salah and also... I mean, the way we structure our teams is kind of getting different at this point. Because, as I said, the mid-priced players who are on 7, 7.5, 8 are returning and giving you points in a much consistent manner than what we expect from a 11.5, 12 million player to give. So that's how the season yeah. is turning out to be. It'll be interesting to see as people activate those wild cards over the next few weeks. There's some big decisions there. So the likes of Gundogan, Rafinha, they're, they're in my team. They've been performing really well. And like I said earlier, I, I play the fixtures, don't I? So I need to have a look at that. But at their price and for what they're returning, can you... You can't really question anything, can you? I think for me, it's just a case of Gundogan. I'm not sure now with KDB back in the team, long-term and Champions League rotation, is he still going to be taking up the same positions as he was? Um, I know he got himself a goal with KDB on the pitch recently, but yeah, I think it would be interesting to see if there's any changes going forward in the way teams are structured with people moving towards their wildcards. Yeah, with Champions League, Europa League, all the next crucial rounds set to begin. I think that's when I think rotation is basically going to kick in because if you look at, I think, Manchester City's round of fixtures over the course of next few weeks, I think they play Leicester, then they play the first leg uh, against Borussia Dortmund and then they play Leeds again, again yeah. with Dortmund and then they play against Chelsea in the FA Cup then they play against Villa and then there's basically a blank in game which I that's the League Cup final. So, I don't know how much rotation we're going to see and I think it's like pretty certain that Sterling is going to be rotated a lot. De Bruyne and Gundogan are sort of his key players. And uh, Diaz is kind of nailed, I would say. I think Laporte and Stones are going to be rotated quite often. And I think Walker, Cancio, Zinchenko and all, they are in the same bracket with regards to rotation because we never know who's going to play. And Maris managed to return couple of points in the last few weeks I think he, even he got benched and getting really dif difficult with regards to Man City players because I think all of us for a fact at least have three Man City players at this point I have Stones, Diaz and Sterling and to be certain I think it's Diaz is the only player who's kind of nailed and the rest who are prone to rotation so it's going to be tricky for us how we're going to deal with Man City players 
again manchester united although they did get knocked out of the fa cup at this point but they do have a europa league fixture again against uh, granada and then arsenal also play against uh, who do arsenal play ray We've got Sl- Slavia Prague, the racists. So hopefully they'll get knocked out and we'll get a bye. Yeah, so Spurs did get knocked out, shockingly. So I think for Spurs, their League Cup is something which Jose Mourinho is definitely going to try to get in. Or else he's gone by summer is what I think. And uh, he has to finish top four to save his job. So the ways I think Tottenham are going to approach the games is that they have to win. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to play. But Man City, there's going to be rotation. Manchester United, I think Bruno Fernandes is definitely nailed. Because if he's benched, they're just going to lose. That's how bad we are yeah. without Fernandes. And uh, that's how bleak it is. But another team which is Chelsea, I think there are going to be a lot of promising picks from Chelsea. So Chris, any players to eye in from Chelsea? Yeah, I was quiet for a long time because I was like really processing what you're saying, guys, and I'm I'm really tired today. I don't know why. It's uh, I have lots of things going on, and but now on Chelsea, uh, I think this is a prime time to get on Chelsea assets, and I think I think sooner or later having a Chelsea defender will be uh, essential. If I'm not wrong, I think that's gonna happen soon. So I suggest trying to get one, and I in my head. Without a wildcard or anything, uh, I think I would be moving uh, one of Diaz or Stones uh, to a Chelsea defender. Probably Stones, but Diaz is also in my head because if I want to go for Alonso, you know, I think that's a possibility there to attack the the fixtures. But it's it's a tough uh, it's tough to call if anyone else apart from the defenders is going to be worth it because I think you know Havertz is you know play. As a false nine or a, or a striker, is he gonna continue to you know play well and get chances? I mean, we've not seen enough of that Chelsea team, in my opinion, and the the lineup is you know too fragile, and I think rotation is gonna be great because we we have great squad depth, uh, which is really good as a fan. But FPL wise, I think that that's gonna create many issues. Uh, maybe maybe Mount. I think Mount is one of the most nailed players. But apart from Mount, I, I can't see anyone else who I really like right now in that Chelsea uh, attack. I think I'm going to be looking to get Mendy in on the, the wild card. But Alonso, I'm yeah. glad you said that. I'm, I'm willing to take the risk with Alonso, to be honest. I think I'm planning on just having a strong bench because I've noticed when he doesn't play, uh, sorry, when he doesn't start, he doesn't really come on, does he? So that should be fine to just have a strong first sub in case of that because the upside with him is so strong. I think just on the eye test, he basically plays as a striker, doesn't he? He's just always in the box. And I think defensively, yeah, you guys are probably the... Well, it's a big shout, but defensively, one of the best teams in the league right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, I think Alonso is what we call high-risk, high-reward. And I think the reward can be really high. Uh because, you know, if you've watched some of the recent games, when he plays, he, he usually just hangs around the box. Yeah. And that's really, you know, that's mental. I think he has the potential to to have some monster holes. I, th- I think clean sheet points are a guarantee with West Brom, Palace, and Brighton. At least for the first two games, I think clean sheets are something that I fully expect. But I think we're looking at the huge attacking potential that he offers. And I think that that could really be 
amazing. And one and something else that I'd like to add is that many people would will be put off by the chance that he's going to be rotated. So I think if you are brave enough to take that risk, it could you know it could be a really good move. Yeah, yeah. I just exactly like you said. I think the upside is so big with him. I'm just looking at it with the fixtures you just mentioned. I'm hoping a clean sheet's locked in, and if he plays, so that's that's a baseline of six points, right? And hopefully, an attacking return can take him to a double-digit haul there. But yeah, it's a shame. Like you said, I think I want a Chelsea attacker as well. I'm just not really sure where to go. I really want a one-week punt against West Brom, but I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, not sure if I've got the cojones to go you. there. Uh, if you if someone is wildcarding in uh, 31, I think you you have to take some a punt uh, in this game again. I think that game is a really good one, so I think you should really consider. You know, I think Harrods could be the best shot as a as a punt there. Maybe even Werner if you if you can't do that. But I think if if you have a wild card, I would try and you know target that game uh, on Chelsea attack because I think yeah. it's really you know it's a really good opportunity. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm going to keep an eye on the Gareth Bale situation over the international break because yeah. he is in my team, and that could be a nice little swap to Havertz for one week. How about yourself, Aditya? I know you've got Bale. Are you eyeing something similar? Or um, okay, I, first I'll answer with regards to Chelsea defense. I do have Rudiger at this point, so I've actually covered up that base. And uh, if someone is thinking of getting any Chelsea attackers, I think Mason Mount is someone who is kind of mostly preferred. So I think he's the one who is guaranteed to start. With regards to, you asked me regards to Spurs, right? With regards to Bale. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. just thinking along the lines of the Bale to Havertz move. Yeah, I mean, it could. I mean, if we take a look at Havertz's ownership, uh, just have a quick look at it. He's about, what, 2.7%. So, never know what's going to happen. And I think he's, he's playing kind of Ahead, right? As a forward, right? At times. So. Just saying, I think Havertz has been playing as the number nine, has he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he he played uh, that role, if I'm not wrong, uh, against Leeds. He played it up top. And he got two or three really good chances. So, yeah, I think you have to... He could. I think he could be one of the best choices for a one-week punt. With Alonso, of course. So, I think you could really, you know... Even if as a captain, I, I wouldn't. I would really fancy captaining Alonso as a one-week punt. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> I, I've definitely considered it. I'm not sure how brave I am, but you know what? At this stage, where I mean, you're floating at 350k, why not? If that works out, I, I think you're, you're gonna be really happy about it too, because it's such a I don't know, such a risky thing. But at the same time, there's so much logic behind it, and I think if he starts, you, you can't really go wrong with it. I mean, yeah. hopefully. I've currently actually got it on Harry Kane against Newcastle. But I yeah, just think okay. That, yeah, how they looked against Brighton. I, I, I do worry for them. I, mean, I know it's going off on a tangent here, but I think Newcastle will go down instead of Fulham, you know. I really do. Yeah, I think they're in trouble. Yeah, me too. I, th- I, think, I, th- I think Kane is going to be my captain because uh, I can't really do a one-week punt. But, you know, if you, if you want to look past that, and if you think... That Alonso or you know Harvest without score Kane, you can you know take a punt on it. Yeah. So if you yeah. take a look at a quick look at game week 38's fixture, I've gone straight to game week 38 fixture. You know why? Because I think it's Newcastle against Fulham. So. Oh wow! I didn't so, know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's gonna be a. That's gonna be really. Unless. 
things change and there's there's really a certain chance that Fulham are definitely going down. If not, then that's going to be a do-or-die game for both the sides if things do remain the same with regards to the league position, points gap and all this other stuff. Okay, so I had a quick look basically at the FPL's website and uh, I found out that Game Week 32 also looks like a blank. I'm not sure if they've not added fixtures and also. Do you guys uh, have any idea regarding this? Yeah, they, they announced that. Um, sorry, they didn't announce. They updated that website earlier, but I think a lot of that is still dependent on the. I was listening to the Planet FPL podcast and they were talking about, you know, what we were saying offline about the government wanting to move one of the games so that fans are allowed back. So I'm not sure if that's the confirmed schedule, but it's worth looking at what, with what we've got right now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you, uh, but I, I think I, I'm not sure if uh, um, what I'm saying is it's correct. But I think uh, Game Week 35 might become a double somehow. Uh, I, I, th- I saw one of uh, Ben's Ben Crown's tweet tweets, and I think uh, something like that was mentioned. But nothing is, you know, certain at this point. So I think you know you have to kind of wait and see there. But uh, yeah, for me, I'm holding my I'm have I have my bench boost still intact. So I think. I might actually look out for that uh, and, you know, hold, keep a, a playing bench. And you know, I mean, if, if there's an opportunity to play, play then I think it's going to be the best time because, you know, we've seen what a double game we can do uh, with a bench boost. Yeah, definitely having 15 players is an advantage uh, basically after you wildcard and then use your bench boost. But I think there, there's another defensive side which most of the managers are definitely going to eyes. I Manchester United. I think if you take a look at them, uh, I think since about game week um, 25, 26, they've kept a couple of clean sheets if I'm not wrong. So, uh, yeah, since 26, 27 and 28, they've kept clean sheets all in a row. So, and if you take a look at the next few games, they play Brighton, Spurs, Burnley, Leeds. And the way Manchester United are playing at the moment, it's more like a defensive first approach and they're more conservative towards the attack and they kind of focus more on the defensive side so uh, yeah yeah that's a really good point i was looking into the data before this actually and um i think since game week 24 off the top of my head they were third best for expected goals against as well so yeah that echoes with what you've said as well yeah i'm very fortunate the stats actually agrees because i've not looked at the numbers so (laughs) (laughs) i think actually now i'm looking at the fixtures i think show is going to be a great option Right, I think I have Dine and uh, Diaz, and I'm seriously thinking of uh, getting Shaw and a Chelsea defender, you know. And I, I'm even thinking of getting rid of Stones. I don't know, I think City are becoming less solid at the back, and I think City defense is too template at this point. I might keep one of them, but I think uh, it's it's really you know it's really interesting uh, to see. What the defense can do to the rank, I think at thirteen percent ownership, Shaw, I think he's gonna be great. Is that all great. he is? He's just thirteen percent. Yep. Wow. Thirteen point two or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I think he's I think brilliant. That's, that's too low. Yeah, in my opinion, and I think it's gonna stay low for quite a while because I think many people are gonna be looking as elsewhere. And as the season goes on, in these last games, I think I think there's always some uh, really nice differentials that. Just, I don't know, they just stay under the radar. I think it's the prime time to to take those risks and go with those players that no one else is going with. 
uh, last season. And this is not a flex, guys. It's just <laughs> what I did. And I went with Antonio uh, against Norwich. That is definitely I, a flex. <laughs> no, no, not yet. That's 100% uh, like a triple captain flex or something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I think he had Norwich, Watford, uh, United. Uh, that, that that three games. And West Ham had to had to win those games. I think they were fighting for to stay in the league. And Antonio was playing uh, out of position at striker at six point nine mil as a mid. And I think if you, if you just see something similar, like I think these things are no brainer. You know, you have to just go with it. And I I just captained him like two three minutes uh, before the deadline. Uh, yeah, I think you know what happened, guys. And the rest uh, is history. Yeah, I, I was like 30k at the, at the point, and I got up to 11k come the, the end of the game week. And that really helped me to to get top 10k. And I think that's where the late riser article applies. It's it's the perfect example from my experience to, to that. Because it's just, you know, 52 points that nobody else gets. Yeah. And that that's just mental because, you know, sometimes effective ownership helps you uh, with that because imagine getting 52 points that no one else has above you, uh, almost no one. Now, I think that's, uh, many people don't understand the gain that you, you that you can have when a differential comes off well, yeah. you know. I like so, what you did there though because I think there, what you did, you, you had all the reasoning to do it, I think. I read like late risers thread and I thought it was brilliant, but a lot of people go differential for differential's sake without actually yeah. looking at the sort of the logic and the justification for going with the low owned player. So I agree with the, the sort of reasoning you've gone for there is exactly what you should be looking out for when trying to find the alternative. Yeah, I think the stats were also there. I, I really remember everyone shouting at you know, look at Antonio's XG XG he, he was so high. And he was getting chances after chance, you know. I think, and I, I, I don't even know how how Twitter was over this because I didn't see many people going with Antonio actually, and I was really surprised because he was playing against the Norwich, who had no motivation, and you know I think everything pointed towards him having a, you know, a good run, a good game maybe, and I was really surprised. But nowadays you you, you can see everyone jumping on the same. Uh, yeah. I think I think that's where this is the part of the season that where people are gonna go in a different way, and I think it's the perfect time for anyone who wants to, you know, climb up. You're right about that. I, you know me; I love my stats, don't I? But I remember looking at that, and you're right. Um, Antonio's xG going into that game, his xG per ninety, it was absolutely ridiculous. And I think Norwich were, like you said, they were done. But their expected goals against it was everything was just pointing towards a hole. And um, yeah, you're right. I don't know what. I don't know why I didn't go for it. I don't know why many more weren't on it as well. Yeah. It was good, actually, because I, I got to be like, everyone was like, wow, okay, that's that's like really cool. And I think that's how my account got to a good start, you know. My, it grew <laughs> a bit faster than it was going to grow. You know, sometimes it, it also helps, you know, people. When, when it comes off, I think everyone likes to gloat and to, you know, try to see when something really spectacular happens to the team so i think sometimes you have to also you know find your you know show that you you're an interesting player you want to take risks and after all you, you just want to have fun right it's a game yeah exactly that's why we play it right yeah Aditya? No <laughs> yeah so i think that's my take on it you know what i think last season was kind of different because 
I just I just saw my squad what it was towards the end of last season and I had the likes of Martial. I think he was out of position. He was classified as a midfielder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many he was like, had, yeah, many people had Fernandes, Trentwood, and I just realized I did have Pulisic over the last few game weeks towards the end of last season. And there were different picks here and there, like Mares and all in the middle. Raul Jimenez was much more consistent. Danny Ings and all. So this season is kind of different. And every season, there's a different story and different set of picks which are being favoured by most of the managers. And the one pick mistake I did this time was, I think I transferred out Mikel Antonio for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think, two, three game weeks back. And I think I just made a big blunder there. Uh, yeah, I did the same move. I think, did you do it with the view for absolutely. Calvert-Lewin's double? Yes, I I think it was 28 was supposed to be a double Southampton. And that was the one. Everton. I made the same move. Yeah, sometimes, you know, getting even over smart, you know, times to bite, our, <laughs> bite us very badly. But nevertheless, I think Everton have a decent fixture this game week. I think they play Palace, if I'm not wrong. So, let's hope yeah, for the best. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yes, I think uh, you should play your Everton assets. Even if they can bottle it, I think they can do well too. So, I'm playing Calvert Lewin and Digne, so I'm hoping for points. Anything, just points. <laughs> and Villa also play Fulham. So, I think there's a chance that Jack Grealish will be back. So, just don't start selling Watkins and the others. Just yeah, let's see how things go on. Because I think people are so pissed with Watkins, they're just transferring him off. <laughs> That's a typical real yeah. transfer at this point. So yeah. Yes, I think we'll turn on Villa. I think uh, I have double Villa defence and I think ma- many people do so too. So, I think uh, that's something you should I think the fixtures are not really nice after Fulham, which is not actually not bad, not that bad. But I think uh, they have Fulham, Liverpool. Uh, I'm not sure who who it is 32, because uh, it's not here in the app. But they have West Brom, Everton, and then from that point on, I think they they have only Palace, who is outside the top six. And I think double defense is not the way to go. So I, I'm thinking of getting rid of Conza at some point, but I, I I wouldn't sell Martinez if not a wild card, because I think he he's just too good, and when he holds, he's gonna destroy your rank. So I think that's where you have to stick to the template, because it's just a goalkeeper after all. So I think Martinez is a season keeper. Uh, what were you gonna say, uh, Gunnar? No, very similar to you. I think Martinez is one of the decisions I'm going to have to make, isn't it? I've I've got him as my keeper. Like I said earlier, I, re- I really fancy Chelsea defensively for the running, so I'm looking at Mendy and Alonso, but not sure if it's something that's going to come back and haunt me. You look at the sort of West Brom game as an example, and the way Martinez play, that could he's always in the bonus. Um, and even, you look at some of the bigger games, and if Aston, I, I don't think Aston Villa have been great recently, but if they can get their act together defensively in one of the big games, Martinez will be on a double-digit double haul for one of those games. But, yeah, I think, like you said earlier, with Grealish coming back, I think Watkins right now uh, is difficult. I, I try not to judge a player on sort of just recent points, but more the fact that the chances they're getting. And when he's playing with Grealish, he's, he's been so unlucky. I think he's hit the crossbar the most times of any striker this season. And I do like him as an asset. I've somehow never owned him, but I've always been looking to get him in my team. So... Yeah, I agree with you. I think if Grealish is back, I'd sort of hold on to him for another couple of weeks and reassess. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so 
I guess we have kind of discussed everything so far in this episode. Unless uh, you guys want to add in something, yeah, I think we've covered. Say? I think we've covered a lot of things. Yeah, I agree. I think we've covered a lot of bases. It was nice to just have a casual chat about it as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I think, uh, interesting break, break, yeah. so I mean, people yeah, tend to get kind of. You generally feel like having a break at this point because you know, having deadlines just after two, three days, and it kind of gets very difficult for us to set up our squads, checking the injury news. You know, having deadlines shifted like one and a half hours back before the actual game starts and all the stuff. So it's kind of a different season, difficult as well for us. And I think a break is somewhat much deserved for most of the managers at this point. And uh, for next game week, I mean, as we approach game week 30, to be fair, uh, we'll be covering all things essential for game week 30 and what we're going to look ahead afterwards in the next episode of the podcast. I think we'll be having few interesting guests uh, coming up in the next few weeks, so keep an eye out for that. There are a few good names coming up, uh, a few top managers here and there, just a sneak peek for you guys. But uh, nevertheless, I think that brings us to the end of episode 18 of the Academic Overtakes podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FF Academy and at the rate FPL Academica for more stuff. Thank you for listening and... Uh, We'll see you all next time.